All right. Good. I just actually wanted to follow up with that time of worship. Um, God was speaking to me through Matthew 7, uh, where it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Lord, we we really want to thank you for the truth of, of that song, Lord, for the truth of your word. Lord, that you are a good father, that you've got good things for us. Lord, I pray that this morning you speak to us, speak through your word, Lord, speak through me, I pray. Lord, as we look again at our um, 2020 vision with some seemingly impossible and outrageous goals to aim for, Lord, would you give us faith? Lord, and would you speak to us this morning, I pray, in Jesus' name. So I'm really excited uh, to continue in our 2020 Vision Summer Series. Um, I've got a great verse that gives us some really good foundations to build into our lives in order that we're actually able to follow this 2020 vision uh, that God's given us. Now, the only problem with the verse I've got this morning is that it's embedded within a parable that many scholars have referred to as notoriously one of the most difficult parables to interpret, or something similar. <clears throat> now, it is completely my fault. I swapped with my dad uh, for this preaching slot. I didn't really read before I swapped with him, so uh, we'll, we'll give it a good go anyway. So with our 2020 vision in mind, it's important uh, to recognise the call to, to all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, as if the commissioning in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations wasn't big enough. God's actually guided us and given us some, some outrageous uh, yet specific vision goals um, which help us on our mission, in our mission as a local church, to reach Crawley, to reach all nations, uh, as God has called us to. You'll notice that each of our 2020 vision goals uh, in turn will help us to to do the stuff um, as we've heard in previous weeks. They pull us out of our comfort zone often and help us to be faithful and require us to be full of faith in the great mission that God has called us to. To generously give away £60,000. Now this uh, this is specific. This £60,000 is a, a 10 times multiplication on what we gave in 2015 to the new ground family of churches uh, that we're a part of, involved in serving and planting churches all across Europe. So this £60,000 is specific for that. God spoke to Steve very clearly. Um, three of the things, um, I think the top three, are kind of multiplications of 10 uh, to what happened in that, that year, 2015. Um, uh, where we gave £6,000 to support the, the work of, of new ground that we're a part of. Um, so, to baptise 140 people, um, that was, a, that was a, a goal that we got from baptising 14 people uh, in 2015, an increase of, of 10 times what we did. 
Now, making disciples um, or baptism is a great measure of making disciples, as the call in Matthew 28 uh, says. It's when unbelievers accept Jesus, they turn their back on their way of living, living for themselves, and they put their trust in Jesus as their saviour. We've, we've done it, those who call, us, uh, call ourselves followers of Jesus, call ourselves Christians. And Jesus calls us to believe and be baptised. Baptism is such a great physical representation of the transformation that happens spiritually. When we put our old lives to death, uh, going down into the water, when the water washes away our sin, and then we rise up a new creation in Christ. Now I miss praying for healing for 1,500 people. Uh, A little secret, this is actually a personal uh, vision goal for Steve himself, to pray for 1,500 people throughout the year 2020. Um, that doesn't mean we're disqualified from, from that goal. It just challenges us to, to think, what, what would we pray for? Who could we pray for? Again, Steve recorded 150 um, prayers for, for people that he met out on the streets, um, maybe even in, in this church, those he's been praying for. Um, but he was challenged 10 times. What would that look like? I think it's doable. If, if or He thought it was doable, at least. Um, so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for, for you and I as a church? Would it mean... 15,000, would it mean 150,000 prayers for, for those? That covers every person in Crawley and the surrounding areas. What does that look like for us? To plant another church, as I said with New Ground, church planting is really at the heart of what God's called us to do. Um, to see churches open up where we hear of so many churches uh, closing down, it's a bold and courageous thing to do and a bold and courageous goal to have to plant a church. But we know and trust that God is so ready to reach out to those uh, unsaved and those who don't know him and to bring them into his family, the church. To give away more leaders. We We want to be a church that gives of our very best. We don't want to give the scraps from the table. It's a mindset shift when we understand the grace of God, when we understand the generosity of God. We start to want to reflect that as Christians. We're not to give away, like I say, the scraps from our table. We don't give the little change we've got left over in our pockets. And with our generosity, we want to bless other places, other churches, other countries with well-equipped leaders who God is calling to do wonderful things for him. The next phase of a building project. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but if even some of the stuff starts to happen in 2020... We're going to need a bigger boat or a bigger building. If we baptise 140 people, that means that we're welcoming them into the kingdom of God, into this local church family. You're not going to fit another 140 people in here. So unless half of you are going to leave, which I hope you're not, then we're going to need some expansion um, in in our building. I'd really encourage you, could you pray with us for this? Uh, We we don't know which way to go. We don't know uh, as yet where, where that building expansion happens. Um, so I'd really encourage you to, to pray and seek God. If you have any wisdom, we'd love to, love to hear from you. We'd love you to share that uh, with us. Feed Crawley. Now we've often said, yeah, this is already happening. We tick that one off. John 13, 35 says, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. What greater way for us to reveal to those who don't know him than by pouring out that love that he has loved us with? 
by feeding those who need it, serving with time, with energy, in our financial giving, and with real passion. Steve's also encouraged us that the best time to plant a tree um, that will grow fruit was 10 years ago. But if you missed that, then today is the best time to plant a tree. And my prayer is that actually today, the Holy Spirit convicts us, provokes us, speaks to us, that we would, we would uh, agree together to plant some trees um, of generosity, to plant some trees of, of being trustworthy people of integrity. And that, that often will require some kind of change in us. Um, so that's, that's what I'm feeling for this morning. God's entrusted us in the past in some small things, and we've been faithful, we've stewarded really well, we've served and given generously, and he's trusted us with some big things. This very building itself is such a story of where God has trusted us with, with loads more than we thought we, we could ever handle, and loads more than we thought we'd ever come into, um, but it's the Lord's blessing on us. Yeah, God, I just pray, would you, would you send your Holy Spirit to be with us? We ask, would you um, come and give us courage again, give us a fresh passion, give us a fresh and renewed faith. Thank you for all that you've trusted us with, Lord. Help us to be faithful, help us to be trustworthy with it. And we're so thankful for your, your forgiveness for those times where we've fallen short, where we've let you down. Lord, you're so ready to forgive Lord, and we want to choose to be honest people. We want to be trustworthy, godly people, people that stand out in a, in a society, in a world that, that doesn't necessarily hold the same values that you call us to. So Lord, thank you for those ways you've already blessed us, for the things you've already given to us, and thank you that you're so ready to give us more, to do a new thing. You're so ready, uh, and we're ready. We say, here we are, Lord. Use us, speak to us. Please come and be with us this morning. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome here. Amen. So, I can't avoid it anymore. Let's read from Luke 16. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 3,000 litres of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 1,500. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? 30 tons of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 24. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, 
Who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. As I mentioned earlier, I read a few commentaries on this passage during my preparation, um, and at least three of them uh, identified this as one of the most difficult parables to interpret. Having read it together, do you understand why? Is there a few questions? You'll be pleased to know I had no greater revelation than many of the the scholars and the theologians that that wrote the commentaries. But let me just break down the story again um, in a slightly different way. So we've got a guy, let's call him Darren. Now Darren is the manager in charge of everything that Aaron has. Now Darren was accused of wasting Aaron's possessions. So Aaron pulls Darren in and asks him what he's been up to. And, tells him the, and to tell him the full story, because Aaron can't have Darren in charge of his possessions and business anymore. So Darren thinks, ah, he's caught me. What am I going to do now? I'm not strong enough to stack shelves. And I'm too ashamed to work as a window cleaner. Big business 2,000 years ago. <laughs> then he has an idea. Darren calls in all of the people that still owe Aaron some money, And he says to one, how much do you owe? So Sharon answers, 3,000 kilos of hamster food. So Darren tells Sharon, make it 1,500 kilos. Then he talks to Karen and asks, how much do you owe? Karen says to Darren that she owes Aaron 30,000 pounds. So Darren says to Karen, make it 24,000. Now Darren knew that if he was ever short of hamster food or a little strap for cash, he'd be able to count on Sharon or Karen to bail him out. Now Aaron finds out what has happened and commends Darren for acting shrewdly. What's that all about? (laughs) (laughs) So I could have preached a a blinding message this morning, not got bogged down in the parable, um, but we really need to teach ourselves not to pick verses from the Bible and use them to apply to our life situation or our 2020 vision without first considering their context what the rest of the passage says, whether it might have meant something different or have a different emphasis to its original audience. The example would be to take verse 8, where it says about him acting shrewdly, and give us ourselves permission to act shrewdly. We must look at what is said before and after to give us a greater understanding and allow us to keep our integrity by staying true to the word of God and then applying it to our lives. So firstly, we do need to recognise this is a parable, and a parable is a story that Jesus told with a meaning um, or a lesson to learn from it. So the the story that Jesus told doesn't actually happen. It's not historically accurate in any way. It's not a recorded event. It's Jesus telling a story as a helpful way to engage and explain things to others. Jesus, in the previous chapter, uh, was talking to the sinners and the tax collectors explaining the Father's loving, caring and forgiving heart for the lost. We've sung about that this morning. He's now talking to his disciples, 
He addressed his disciples right in verse 1. The Pharisees are still in earshot as they were in chapter 15 um, as he addresses them at the end of this passage today. Jesus is often wonderfully obvious when he's teaching of the Pharisees and their wrong attitudes and yet often does so without having to unpack it or address them directly. He does, however, do that here. You may remember at the end of the, the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, uh, which, which is the parable told before this, the older brother who becomes angry and grumpy when the father lovingly welcomes the prodigal son home with a party. That angry, grumpy brother is aimed at the Pharisees. In this passage, Jesus direct, directly addresses them at the end. So what strikes us as we read this is that neither the rich man nor the master, neither Darren or Aaron, represent God, represent Jesus, and nor should they represent us. So the question is, what was Jesus trying to say? What was he trying to teach them? So Jesus clearly isn't teaching us to do anything that the rich man or the manager do in this. We don't praise dishonesty, we don't act shrewdly. It's not a commendation of that. Jesus doesn't commend the steward for his shrewdness. As I mentioned, uh, the interpretation of this parable has been much debated. Um, one commentator, Leon, Morris, uh, Leon Morrison, says, the steward is commended by the master not for his dishonesty, but for taking resolute action in crisis. And I think that's, uh, that's often helpful, but, but still we're going to go deeper into to what Jesus is teaching us through this. So a bit of our story, just to, to break things up a bit. Over the past few weeks, uh, we've been dealing with Crawley Borough Council a lot, um, all tied up in a rather crazy housing situation um, and trying to work out what happens um, as Nan is soon to be moving into a nursing home. Uh, and that's the tenancy on her council property where we've been living, uh, it ends. So I've had to give them loads of financial information um, and fill out lots of budget sheets. Um, and one of the first things they said when they received our, our budget sheet was, um, a lady said, I see on your budget sheet that you pay uh, £165 to, to a charity every month. I suggest that you reduce this to perhaps £5 per month and start to put this money away towards a deposit and rent in advance. I, of course, went back to her and said, this charity is our local church, um, and the money we give monthly is our tithe, um, and I use the term tithe as a, as a tenth, um, as I thought she might get it or understand it. Turns out she didn't. So she told us uh, to stop them as soon as possible in order to assist my own family, who could be pending homelessness ourselves. Um, she did, however, tell me that the contributions were admirable. So we had a decision at that moment. Option one, keep fighting to keep it on our budget. Explain it to her in more detail. Explain um, that was she really going to stand in the way of, of us and God and, and all that we've been giving to him? Was she really going to be that person? Option two, because I work for the church, I thought maybe I could ask the trustees to give me a 10% pay cut so that when... So that when I give each month, or don't then give each month, I know that I'm giving, because I've sacrificially given it, but the council have no way of controlling that money. A pay reduction could, in fact, actually give us better benefit levels uh, from the council. <laughs> it's pretty shrewd. <laughs> Option three, we take it off our budget sheet, 
and continue to give to God and the church, trusting that he will continue to provide for us as he always has. We went for option three, and whilst I wanted to keep fighting for option one and and explain it all to her, their comment on providing for my family and preventing homelessness was a valid one, and I agree with it. And with all integrity, I couldn't have gone through with option two. It was shrewd. Sorry. (laughs) It required me to lie, be deceitful, um, which aren't things that I'm willing to do as someone who follows Jesus. And I believe his teachings where he says that. What was never an option for us was to stop giving to God. It didn't even cross our mind. I wouldn't allow this circumstance or situation to stop this part of our worship. So what is Jesus telling us in verse 9? He says that we can use our worldly money or our unrighteous money or possessions to make friends, to bless others, to be generous, so that when it fails or the money runs out, as it will at the end of our lives, we will be received into eternal life. The great thing about being generous and blessing others, sorry, the great thing about being generous is that it it allows us to expose the Christ-like attitude and character that is so attractive in a selfish, self-centered, me-centered world. Money doesn't last beyond this life. Nothing you build within this world can be taken with you to uh, eternal life. Of course, money can last beyond your life, but not in your, your life in eternity. So sure, we can save, we can, can build savings for our kids, for the next generations, um, but ultimately nothing will pass into eternity with us of worldly possession. Our perspective, therefore, has to change. If we're investing into the kingdom of God, living in a way that puts God's will at the forefront of our mind when it comes to spending, giving, loving, serving, then we start to invest in the kingdom of God which is an eternal kingdom, one we're a part of now and one that will continue for all eternity. What we find starts to happen is that even though we set our sights on the things above and the things beyond this life, is it starts to have a significant impact in this life with those around us, with our friends, with our neighbours, with our family. There's a reason that Jesus teaches about money and our heart attitudes so much. It's because when we get it right, Not only does it please God, but it also models a better way of living now. And getting this right then applies to so many other areas of our lives and to us becoming more and more like Jesus. So moving into verses 10 to 12, we see that Jesus uses the parable and takes people's attitude to money to lay down some general discipleship principles. The principles of being trusted or being faithful with little and also being trusted and faithful with much. It applies to so much more than just our money, but it's such a helpful and hugely important part of discipleship um, that we, we should get right as Christians. So maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're a Christian, but money has always been something that, that grips you, or you have a fear month by month of not having enough, or you spend and indulge in ungodly things. Jesus' teaching on money throughout the gospel is serious. He draws a hard line. 
he says you cannot serve both God and money because he knows the control that money, that possessions um, can have on us. There's a huge temptation that it brings. And yet on the other hand, he knows that when committed back to God, entrusted to him generously and freely, it can be a wonderful tool for building the kingdom, for blessing others, of seeing poverty disappear, the hungry fed, the homeless given homes, those in debt set free. And this is what the 2020 vision is about. When we get this right, we see these 2020 vision goals as far more achievable. As I've said, it's, it's about so much more than just money. God has so much in store for us and we demonstrate our readiness to receive that, not by selfishly holding on to things, but by being generous in all things, in our time, in our money, with our serving one another, in our heart attitude, in our acceptance of one another. In order for God to trust us, we must prove ourselves trustworthy and that requires us to trust him first. If we truly trust him, we know that he is faithful, that he is true to his words. Then we know that if we honour and obey what he's asked us to do, then he will trust us with more. This 2020 vision is the more. He's got so much more for us. We have to understand that God's way is better. So as Malcolm reminded us last week, this isn't a prosperity gospel. It isn't that if you start giving 10% of your income, that God will give you 20% back. It's not that I gave 20 quid last week. Uh, where's my new car? It's really not like that. It's not how it works, nor is it what Jesus teaches these are kingdom principles rooted in the kingdom of God. They're not self-centered ones. They're not self-serving ones. The benefit, the blessing, and the prosperity comes within the kingdom of God. The fruit of our generosity is seen within the kingdom of God. God may choose to bless us, but what grace has taught me is that there's no correlation between what I do and when God chooses to bless me. We're not pets waiting for a treat. He's already given all to us. But what that all is, is within his kingdom, within his rule and reign, within his eternal plans for us and his purposes for our lives. Not just now, but through eternity. How generous was our father who sent his only son for us? How generous was Jesus to go to the cross to take our sin and death on himself? so that we could stand free. How great and generous is the gift of his spirit for every moment of every day with us. It's always helpful to remind ourselves that all that we have is a gift from God. In 1 Chronicles 19, David prays, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Now, that's a mentality that I want to have as a Christian, to understand that all that I have, all that I've been given, has been given from God, and therefore all that I give, I freely give back to God. Now, you'll notice that, that within our, our church context, the giving 
back to God comes through offering baskets, through internet banking, of giving to a local church, because uh, Jesus teaches that where, where our money is, there our heart is also. And we're, we're investing in this 2020 vision, we're investing in building this church because it's a kingdom work, because it's a kingdom thing. When God or the Holy Spirit provokes you or inspires you uh, with some money and says, why don't, you, why don't you give this 50 pound that you've got in your bank account to, to one of your friends um, or to someone in the church who you know is struggling, that's a kingdom uh, encouragement from the Holy Spirit. That's a kingdom work. We're to be generous people. And we must also be thankful and aware of what has been given to us. Thankfulness and gratitude lead us to a happy and content life. It it allows us to be content in every situation. And contentment and joy in both the much and in the little. We're striving after um, a culture of generosity as a church. Um, that says we have a vision that outweighs our resources. Our only limit is whether we believe our generous God wants to love Crawley through the likes of us. We have a vision that outweighs our resources. Our only limit is whether we believe that our generous God wants to love Crawley through the likes of us. God gives to us to bless others. He's given to us to to bless Crawley. He's given to us the blessings of income. He's given to us the blessings of homes and possessions. He's given to us the gift of Jesus Christ that we are to generously uh, share with the world, share with Crawley. I want to ask a couple of questions just for personal reflection this morning. Um, and I, I, want, I want them to, to, if they provoke a response in you, I want you to be open to the Holy Spirit Um, just speaking to you in this moment. I want to ask, how generous are you? How generous do you feel? How are you doing with being faithful with what God's given you, what God's called you to? Are you being wasteful or useful with that? Think about specifically, you've got your time, your words, your money, your attitude, your home and your possessions. Can we just take a moment, have a, have a think about how you'd answer those questions. We're not going to talk about it. Jesus, we want to be a generous people. We know what you're calling us to and that your best for us is to surrender our lives, our ways, our preferences, our money, our belongings and give them to you to use. We pray, would you shape us? Would you take it all and speak to us day by day as we follow you and not the world, as we follow you and and not our own way? Something we're working towards, um, again, another culture. and, And everyone has culture where everyone does and faithfully uses the measure God has given both in and out of the church community. 1 Peter 4 backs this up. Each one should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve others. What gift have you been given to to bless and serve others? God knows your heart in in the passage um, we read at the beginning. uh, He says to to the Pharisees, God knows what's in your heart. If there's anything I've said this morning 
that has triggered a response in you. Maybe it's a recognition of the hold that money or, or material things, possessions or comfort has on you. Maybe it's a call to be more generous. Maybe you've never given money away before. Try it. It's wonderful. Don't miss what God is doing. Listen to what he's saying. Maybe it's the realisation that you've been trying to serve both God and money. Jesus says it's impossible. You can't do it. Maybe it's the realisation that, that neither serving God and money half-heartedly is, is actually working out for you. You've got to give one of them up. My suggestion would be that you give money up. Don't let it have a hold on you. Let Jesus come in, take control and use you. The warning is that we mustn't be like the Pharisees who love money. They sneered at Jesus. When I recognise a hold, the hold that money has when I'm doing my budget, budget sheet and I'm going, oh, there's just no way we can afford anything. I'm going, God, I, I give it to you. I can't do this without you. I trust you. You've never let me down. As followers of Jesus, it's clear what our view of money should be, how we should use our money. And so often that draws attention with the world around us, with our preferences that we've been brought up into. In a fallen world that we're living in, a world that places such a high value on money, on power, on success, on sex, on pride, it's refreshing to have a loving God who asks, what's in your heart? What are you feeling? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. How are we blessing people? How are we being generous with words of encouragement to one another? What are you saying? And how is what's going on in your heart and what comes out of your mouth lining up with the word of God and the teachings of Jesus? So just as we end, let's take a look um, at the glorious welcome we receive from Jesus the King as we choose to follow this life of generosity, reading from Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was ill and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? And the king, Jesus, will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What a challenge that is. How are we feeding the hungry? How are we giving drink to the thirsty? 
How are we welcoming in strangers among us, into our homes, into our church? How are we clothing those who need clothes? How are we caring for those who are sick? So the question is, what's the worst that could happen if we become a generous people? Genuinely, what, what negatives are there to, to being generous? If I can just invite the band back up as we finish, we'll sing a song. I look forward to the day when I'm welcomed by the King of Kings and having been blessed by the Father, step into my inheritance, into the glorious kingdom for all eternity. And I look around and I see you. What a wonderful day it's going to be. But the decision I've got to make today is how I apply um, being trusted with both little and trusted with much. How can I be more generous? How can I bring myself in line with the scriptures and Jesus' teaching for feeding the hungry, for clothing the clothesless, for giving drink to those who are thirsty? How can I do that in my life so that when I'm welcomed in and blessed by the Father into my inheritance that he prepared for me, he prepared for you before the creation of the world? To be trustworthy and faithful with whatever God gives me and gives you, whether small or large, Lord, I ask for a greater measure of faith for my life. Lord, I ask for a greater measure of faith for the vision you've given us as a church here in Crawley to bless those here and beyond. Lord, would we be a generous people? I ask for a greater measure of trust to you that I would live a life without fear, without fear of today or tomorrow, of the future. Lord, you've got a better way of living for us. And I want to live in the full knowledge that my loving Heavenly Father will always provide for me as he always has done. He is faithful. He doesn't let us down. God, you're calling us to greater things. You're calling us to a better way of living. Lord, and we choose to invest in your kingdom, not in our world, not in our ways. Lord, we, use, we choose to use our money Lord, we choose to use all that you've given us to serve you, to honour you. Lord, and the overflow of that is that it affects everyone around us. The overflow of a generous heart is that it starts to, to sink in and spread across the town of Crawley and beyond. Lord, as we travel, as we go to places you're calling us to, Lord, this heart issue. Lord, we choose you over money. We choose you over our possessions, over our comfort. Lord, but we need your faith. We need a fresh revelation of how faithful you are, how true to your word you are. Father God, we love you. We understand what your word says. Lord, we appreciate that that, that may well draw tension with us because of our upbringing, because of the way that we're surrounded by people at work who live differently to us. Lord, it's okay to be different because it's the calling you've got for us. 
Shall we stand together?